And now, detailing success in PNS Double Black present the Rennie Doyle Podcast, a podcast for blue-collar entrepreneurs. Hosted by the detailer of Air Force One and founder of both Detailing Success and the Detail Mafia, Rennie Doyle. Hey guys, Chris here again. If you missed Rennie's keynote at Mobile Tech Expo, or if you just want to hear it again, you're in luck. We recorded it. Simply titled Unbeatable, it was pretty good and we sure hope you enjoy it. Most of you have a little or no introduction. Um, you know him as a master retailer, small business guru, a family man, a search and rescue expert, definitely a car enthusiast, the leader of and founder of the Detail Mafia, a recognized detail industry trainer, a mentor, a lead brand ambassador for PNS Detail Products. And an idea of all things. Needless to say, he lived and still does live quite a life. But for those of us who are privileged enough to uh, really know him uh, and work with him, we call him colleague, but most importantly, his friend. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present our keynote speaker. The detail of Thank you. So what I'm going to share with you today um, is it's not a theory, it's not a system, it's not a process, it's not steps, it's a lifestyle. Is it's a choice. It's, it's really about decisions, and it's a young man that didn't get born into the best of situations, but damn, you know, my theory is glass half full. Uh, we've, we've witnessed a lot of us, um, has been tough years in the last two, three, four years. 2022, personally for me, was probably one of the toughest years of my entire life. A glass half filled, not empty. And so with that today is that we want to talk about being unbeatable. And, and again, it's a philosophy that I've had to live by to survive, and I hope it works for you. So first off, um, there's some gentlemen that joined me here at this event some 20 years ago. You know, and it, Keith was one of them. Thank you, Keith, for that introduction. But we had enough people, detailers, to fill about half this table. So I want you guys to all, how many PDR guys are in here? Okay, so a few, thank you for joining us because I say thank you to you because you guys opened us up and, and welcomed you us to your show because it was primarily back then a PDR show. It really was. And so thank you for being here and allowing us to be here. But I want to tell you, look around for a second and see what Kevin, Hellwood and the current owners of this of this of this show have done is they've really turned us into a to an industry and COVID did some nasty things we definitely lost things but this industry gained a lot and so I just want to take and, and and recognize all of you for being here because you're the one percenters in this in this in this whole industry so thank you so what I'd like to share with you today 
It's just to smooth out your journey. Is that I'm not a guru. I'm not a, I don't know it all. I'm just a guy that went after his passions. In my mind, I'm still 10 years old. I still don't do dumb shit all the time. When you see Diane, confirm it. You know, um, it's, a, it's an odd year I don't have stitches. Uh, it's an odd year you can look right down. My hands are all cut up from different things. Is because since the time I can remember, I decided I was going to live life. And I was going to I decided that nobody else was going to control my destiny except for me. Any who wasn't here? You got it? You like it? Anybody feel that same way? That I'm going to go out of this world just freaking skinned up and screwed up and bruised up, and I'm going to dig every moment of it. So right now, I really want a theory into practice, as again in my previous one, is you're going to hear maybe some new theories. Again, it's, it's a principle for me. It's, it's a lifestyle for me. It's a philosophy for me. And so it comes from my heart, and I mean it. With that, I'm going to kind of excuse myself. When I get excited, I tend to cuss a little bit. So if you, if you hear a little bit of bad words, if it offends you, I'm not doing it on purpose, but I just get really, really excited. And so I want to take and warn you. So let me tell you this, is what I've learned is that every single person is beatable. Every single team is beatable. Every single company is beatable. you got to make it as difficult as you can to be unbeatable. And what I mean by that is that is when you're starting out, is it's, it's, God, it's hard. It's difficult. You sweat. You bruise. But the thing is, is you get, is, as, as, as things get harder, is you start learning and you put knowledge into work. So with that is that we take it and we say this, is make yourself unbeatable. How do you do that? I hope to share some of that with you today. Of, it doesn't mean that I'm unbeatable. Because last year, I let some things beat me a little bit. The thing is, you come out really, really quickly when you do get beat. Because when you're younger, you know, you don't know how to handle these beatings that you take. And life's going to beat you up. You're going to lose people. People are going to die. You're going to lose money. You're going to take and lose time. You're going to have relationships that are damaged, all these other things that's going to happen. But as you go through these things, if you take and really concentrate on things we're going to share today, it's going to make that easier. So make your team unbeatable. Make your company unbeatable. And make it easy to beat others. Honestly, is you guys, again, you're one, maybe 2%. The other people that aren't here, they have no idea what they're missing. Take advantage of that opportunity. So I always tell people that make it very difficult to beat you. How do you do that? It's just like lifting weights. It's just like running. It's just like reading. If you're going after a master's degree, is you got to learn. You got to study. You got to put time into it. You got to put effort into it. And I'll tell you, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of small businesses, they think that their business experience is going to take them through. It's not. Because you can't be on point with your business seven days a week. If you don't have escapes, you're going to be dull, boring, burned out, not interesting. If all you've got in your life is work, this again is my philosophy, if you don't have any other challenges, and that's all you know, when new challenges arrive and you start to gain popularity and success, you're not going to handle, know how to handle things because your, your window, your exposure is going to be small. That's my precious daughter, our youngest one, Darren. The value of experiences, what you don't see is right behind us, 
She was born in Idaho. We live in the mountains of California. She was born about two hours from this. That was in the beginning of winter, and that is, is, is Thompson Peak. We're just below it. We just summited it. And at 16 years old, she did her first winter assault and climbed up a almost 11,000-foot mountain going into winter where I had pulled off as a search and rescue technician about six dead bodies. Now, you'd say, why would a dad do that? It's because I want her exposed to the same things I did. I want her to realize that when she's having relationship problems with the man she loves, it's not hard to get out of it. That mountain could kill you. That man's love will come back and comfort you. You just got to endure it. And so you've got to take life experiences. And if you, I didn't have him. I didn't have a dad. I didn't know who he was. He didn't give a shit who I was. He didn't give a shit if I was alive or dead. So I had to build that up somehow in myself. I had a loving mom and a loving grandma. I had a lot of crazy World War II and Vietnam veterans around me. And they taught me to be tough. I, it was a learned skill. Some of you were born into that to where you had a mentor for that. I didn't. My youngest daughter, she's got that. I've told my daughters, three out of four of our kids are girls. I told them this, I'm going to raise you like a boy. Why? We want them tough. And we need to raise our kids tough. And if you weren't raised and you don't have that discipline, you've got to get that discipline. And I'm going to share some of that with you right now. Now, I've been blessed to take and experience some amazing things. And amazing, that's my shop right there. I didn't start there. I started on a bicycle with a wagon, pulling it around. I built up some amazing relationships with some of the leading people in the industry that I get to call friends. I've been able to take and help build companies, brands. But the biggest thing that I built that helped us is we can take all the brands that we've got, all the companies we've, we've, we've built, all the successes we've had, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that we've generated, and it's not worth anything compared to the relationships. Because you know what? 08, a lot of people saw fortunes disappear. Great Depression, we saw fortunes disappear. Those things can disappear in a matter of moments, and it's not, it's out of your control. But those relationships can rebuild those losses. It's not the other way around. Money can't build a relationship. Relationships can build money. And I learned that, especially from that young lady right there, is that your relationships are the center of everything. Gentlemen, if you want a strong business, you better treat her with respect. Ladies, you want, a, you want a strong husband, you got to realize he's going to be doing things and he's got to be realizing you're going to be doing things that are difficult. You're going to be climbing Mount Everest when you take and go into business. And I don't care if you're a year in or 20 years in. The difficulties actually increase as you grow and you succeed. What changes is, a lot of people say it gets easier. It doesn't get easier. Hopefully you get smarter and you handle them better. And that is one good-looking horse, isn't it? I don't know why. I don't. Well, I know I should run to ride my horse. You guys better not wrap me up because mine's prettier. You know, hers is not quite as pretty. Here's where life gets interesting. This is at fourteen thousand feet. This is my new passion. Can you guys see anything different? I went from an air calf unit to a calf unit. I would much rather have a helicopter underneath me that's got controls than a horse that's got a brain and does what it wants. It scares the shit out of me. But these life experiences going all the way back, that's me with, with my back towards you. All these different life experiences. 
has allowed me to take and push ahead in business, even as an old soldier at, 50, uh, at plus 50 years old, is why do I give? People always ask me, why do you keep to do these things? Is because it makes the realities of business easier. You see, what we do in detailing or PDR, if you're doing paint protection film, if you're, if you're pulling dents, tinting windows, fixing cracks in windshields, fixing paint, it's not life or death. And so when you go out on the mountain, and we just had a rescue not too long ago, and we've got three people missing, we found one of them, two still missing. In Southern California, really? Yeah, mountains? They got, they got ice. Ice with, 30, with 17 million people is not a good combination. And so if you think our day's tough, I've got brothers and sisters right now, as we speak, on a big-ass mountain in a really dangerous situation, both civilian and military, looking for two people. And how many families are sitting behind there praying for the best, praying that those men and women in uniform find their loved ones? That's the reality that people are facing all around us. But yet when we go to work and we make things pretty, we don't have the pressure. It doesn't mean it's easy. It just means that it's taught me how to adapt just a little better than the average bear. So what I found is not just to be unbeatable. It's easy to think that we can be unbeatable. You're not. I have found that out most recently. In June of last year, my brother went in for a surgery with a 50% chance of coming off the operating table. Okay, He's had a lifelong addiction problem, but he's still my big brother. And I certainly didn't want to lose him. The day of his surgery... My soon-to-be 14-year-old dog went down with the same heart condition that my brother had. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I love my dog. I love my brother. A day later, my 18-year-old, our 18-year-old daughter was on a medication and it shut her liver down. My brother, my dog, and our daughter were all in ICU at the same time over a 10-day period. My life came apart, but did it. I went on a journey. Jesus went on a journey in the desert. Boy, I recognized for a few days what that journey was like. And I could have come out of that journey very tough. And I learned a lesson from somebody pretty special. So I hunkered down and I got strong because I had to be strong. And I said, Rennie, this is mountain time. In my world, that means get busy. Take the emotions out of it. we got to get these people through it. They all did. They came through, thank God. All of them still alive and healthy today. How fortunate is that? Even Boomer's almost 15 years old. Now, we call him Chef Ramsey because I hand cook all his meals, and he loves it. But if he takes one pill in that thing, he spits it out like Gordon Ramsey in about four nanoseconds, and he won't eat it. Now, this guy to you guys is a nobody. But let me tell you what this gentleman is, Don Markham, Coach Markham, inventor of the double-wing offense in football. He trained NFL teams to run the double team. He trained college teams, and he was my high school football coach. I met Don Markham when I was five years old. He would come down and start scouting us out. Sounds crazy. But in his years at Colton High School and at Bloomington High School, he averaged two to three NFL players a year for almost 20 years. Pretty serious coach. And this guy hated me. I was five foot eight, and as he said, 100 and nothing pounds. And I wasn't going to play on his team. And I said, Coach, I'll prove you wrong. 
That was in junior high. Two years later, I was playing on his team, and he still hated me. <laughs> he still hated me. Now, from there, I had an opportunity. Anybody know what this is? Boise State, baby. I got the call. We want you to come up here and go to camp. And I went, holy shit. So I went up that first year, my junior year. We had green grass. And I was like, this school is cool. There's mountains. There's a river by the stadium. There's cute girls. Life's good. Well, I didn't have good grades. So I got postponed. A couple years later, they got the call again. They said, you want to come back up? And I went, yeah. Went back up there, tried out. They said, come on back. We're going to put you to work. I showed up that, that, that fall for practice, and there's a Smurf blue field. And I was from a tough area outside of Los Angeles, and I said, I cannot play on powder blue football field. I just can't do it. And my grandma said, Italian grandma said, really? So where else is going to give you an education and let you play a game that you love? And I said, okay, I'll do it. Problem was is that I'm quickly reminded by Coach Markham that at that time I was five foot nothing and 200 and nothing pounds. I was supposed to play linebacker. And my world once again changed by chance because I read about Rudy. When you see Rudy was five foot nothing, Rudy was a hundred nothing pounds, and he got carried off the damn football field. And I said, well, if he can do it, and he can go to a major university, damn it, I can. And I read all about Rudy, and I was really excited. But you know what? I was like, man, I think I, I, think I knew something. And a matter of fact, they carried Rudy off the damn football field and look at all those people. That's a true thing. I was like, holy shit, that little kid did it. I can do it, right? Then I, got, I took a, I, this, this, this guy down below, this Sam Mills guy. Anybody ever heard of Sam Mills? So I'm at Boise State. This guy comes walking out, and he's a linebacker coach. The only problem is I'm looking at him eye to eye. And he's 228 pounds. I'm 227 pounds. And I go, are you really a linebacker coach? And he goes, not only am I a linebacker coach, I play in the NFL. And I said, linebacker or kicker? <laughs> well, that's not something you say. And if you know Sam Mills, he was undrafted 12 seasons in a Hall of Famer. He's since passed. And he introduced me to a term called snot bubbles. And he said, see this big old lineman up there? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you're going to go up and going to make him blow snot bubbles now or you're going to be cut. And I did it. I put him on his butt, right? So he comes back and he goes, okay, do it again because you just pissed him off. And I said, oh, great. Lyman's 275 pounds, you know? And he goes, now I want blood in the spot, in the, in, in, in the snot bubbles. And I drew blood. And the next play, I was leveled. <laughs> they reminded me that I was 227 pounds and five foot eight. Sam changed my life. Now here's another guy, Tom Brady. I just threw it in here. 199th overall pick. Any, anybody think I hate quarterbacks? Oh, by the way, I did not stay at the linebacker position. I was moved to fullback. But, you know, Sam tried to get to me. He really preached to me. He sat there, and he, I had an NFL player, and I kind of still at that point, there was, I know this is really weird. How old are you? Yeah, there was no internet, you know? And so I couldn't figure out who Sam Mills was. I thought he was lying. I mean, really, you put no way. Come on, man, you're my height. You're like fun size, you know. There's no way you play in the NFL, right? Well, Sam comes out. You can do. You can do something here. You can do something here. You can do something here. I did something there. My job was holding the bag. I held the bag, and I held the bag really good. Why did I hold a bag? 
I held it back because I had a fixed mentality in my brain. I had told myself, I, other people saw greatness in me, and I didn't believe it. I was scared. I was five foot nothing. I was 200 and some pounds. I wasn't going to go to the NFL. And why am I getting the crap beat out of me? And you know what I did at Boise State? I quit. With six months to go before finishing my degree. Do you know why? Because I had a stinking thinking attitude. I couldn't get out of my own head. And six weeks later, I said, oh my God, what did I just do? And I've never quit since. So what happens from there? Come forward. When I got it back into detailing, I came home. I was an executive. I built marinas all over the world. 27 years old, doing $12 million a year with three people in my division. Netting $12 million a year. I said, Diane, I got this good idea. She goes, what? I said, I want to go back and open up a detailing company. She goes, no. I said, why? She goes, because you're making good money, and I don't want to be back in poor. I said, yeah, but I think I can turn it into something. And she goes, no. And she goes, are you getting, what are we going to do about benefits? And I said, well, you're going to go back to work. And she said, oh, great. So she signed on to it. Well, I'd love to say the rest is history. It only took 25 years. But the difference was, matter of fact, where's, where's Bob Phillips? Where are you at? I'm going to embarrass you. Happy birthday, Bob. Today's his birthday. I had, I had, me and Bob became friends, and it was boy, boy, boy crush. And he said, man, I want you to you know, come over, and let's be our representative for PNS. And I went, cool. So we jumped in, and all of a sudden, a year later, we had this wild idea. Let's, hey, let's develop a new line. And we both like to ski, and Dave likes to ski. And we said, double black. Yeah, cool. And I shot out a, a, a number to Bob, and I said, hey, you're five. I want to do this. And he went, <laughs> you're nuts. Year four, we did it. What happened? What was the switch off? Why did I believe in that? Right then and there. What, what, obviously something changed because Sam Mills, an NFL freaking linebacker, tried to get to me, and he didn't. He actually did. I didn't trust him. I didn't believe in him. But really what I did is I didn't believe in myself. It came down to me believing me and telling myself a bunch of bad words about myself. That kid to the right, believe it or not, I know, it's hard to believe. That's my grandma, my, my grandpa and my mom. But that kid to the right was me. I had hair. I had hair. I still do. That's a different topic for a different crowd. So what happened is my brain was locked. I was had stinking thinking theories and I couldn't get over it. But all of a sudden, after that big mistake and really blowing things, is I decided I could never quit again. And the first thing I decided to do, and I made myself a promise, I took a knee. And I said, God, you give me opportunities in the future. I swear to you right now, I will never quit again. And search and rescue has entered into my life. I've gone on hundreds of missions. I've seen people at their worst. I've seen people at their best. And I grew an appreciation for what I do, what I'm capable of doing, and what I love to do. And I love to make a difference. You see, I got my mindset right. My attitude was right. My behavior was right. My actions were right. I was finding solutions. I was having results. I was performance-based. I wanted to work hard, and I wanted to play hard. 
And I started practicing that in my life, every aspect of it. I wanted to give back to community. I wanted to give, give, give. I was in uniform. I loved it. I lived out all of my wildest dreams, and I kept that mindset growing. Now, I'm going to tell you, that was in my early 20s. Every year, I doubled my abilities. I doubled my income for almost 10 years. Do the math on that. Now, those early years, remember, I wasn't making anything. It was easy to double debt. I was broke. You know, you guys remember, you guys, some of you guys might remember your, I remember my first $100 detail. That was hot shit. I remember my first $20 bill being handed to me, and it was hot shit. But what happened was, is I went into a growth mindset. Anybody that knows me will tell me, I'm a dreamer. I was once criticized by somebody, and they said, man, you got a thousand, thousand things you want to do. You, you don't do most of them. I said, exactly. Wait till I'm 60. I'm going to have 10,000 things I want to do, and I'm only going to do two of them. You're going to really hate me then. So then I came across this. One of my mentors taught me something. And I put it all together, and it was called Dream, Vision, Plan, Execute. It's something I live by. I've lived by it since I was 22, 23 years old. Everything. I'm constantly dreaming. I'm constantly visioning. Dream. God, what can I do? What's out there? And it's not about ideas necessarily about business. It's even just life things. What I, and it, usually, it's about how can I impact other people? Who can I take along for this journey? And so the most powerful tool that any of us have is our brain. And, and we use so little of it. So little of it. So here's some notes I just put. It's really, I don't have a whole lot of notes on this thing. It's shit's going to happen. You're going to happen. Last year, my life unraveled, but did it. But did it. I was living life. And finally, 56 years into it, I learned how to deal with the stresses of challenges in my own life. Instead of going out and rescuing people, and either they're dead or alive, and, and being able to turn my back on it when I got done. It was there. there sounds cold. But when you get on the mountain, one of the jobs I do in the, in, in the Cal Guard is combat life-saving training. And I know when these young soldiers are going over, these young men and women, is some of them are going to actually put that action into to, 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 to motion. Combat life-saving training, combat survival training. Is I started realizing, hold on, Rennie. You've taught all these people how to take deep breaths, how to survive. But in your own business, in your own life, you're wigging out. That was just this last year. I'd, I'd learned how to control it with other people, but I hadn't done a really good job with myself. Here I was at a stage where I was, I, was, I was realizing the biggest challenges of my life, my baby daughter, that I absolutely worship, I could do nothing about. My brother, we had a rough upbringing. My hero, I couldn't do anything about. And my dog was just getting old. And I couldn't do anything about it. I had to make a conscious decision to live in the moment and enjoy every single second of it, good or bad. Serial killers. Unnatural growth. What's that mean? I'm telling you right now, there's oddities out there. You build an empire and it happens overnight. It doesn't. Those are one in a billion. It's things when you grow too fast and unnatural and you push things when you know you shouldn't be pushing things, it's going to fall apart at some point. We've all seen it happen. We see it with professional athletes. Mark Collins, look up Mark Collins, a good friend of mine played in the NFL. Defensive back for New York. He never spent, he never paid himself. He lived off his bonuses and endorsements only. 100% of his wages went away. He has no needs in the world. But how many pro athletes go out there and just blow it, and a year or two after they're 
Careers done, they're broke. A lot of them. Small business is the same way. Your stress. Stress is going to kill. It's a business killer and it's a health killer right now. Your financial oversights, you got to control your finances. You got to pay your, your bills. You got to pay your taxes. You got to do all that. Not doing so is going to take and absolutely kill you. As will family destruction. All of them are business killers. Let's talk about this. You know where one, most people want to start out in business? A finished and complete Eiffel Tower. That's where they're going to start. No. Natural process. Build that foundation up. Take your time. You've got a five to seven year freshman year. It's going to take you that long to build that. Don't rush it. It doesn't mean you're not going to live a life. It just does it now. You might be in a growth mode. You know, when PNS, when we when we joined forces with Double Black, it was it was a, over a 50-year-old company. All of a sudden we started up a new vision, and boy, it taxed us. Because we we grew and we grew fast. But we had that foundation under us. Had we done it, it was a five or ten year old company, there's no way. But Bob and Dave had the maturity. I had the maturity. Keith had, our whole team had the maturity to pull it together and handle it because we had the years and the foundation underneath us. Most people that own small businesses look like this. It's one of the craziest things is, is why do we, why do we give up our day jobs? We want to work for ourselves, right? We want freedom, right? We want to work less. You give up a 40-hour-a-week work job to work 100 hours a week. You look 25 when you started. Seven years later, you look like you're 98. It's just going to happen, right? But it doesn't have to happen. The other big killer is money problems. I tell you right now, you want to take and wipe yourself out to this day. You know, every once in a while is that um, when I went to drill, my first drill after my incident with my family this last year, is that I did call on one of the chaplains, a good friend of mine. And so when I showed up at first drill, one of the things that they did that I instituted in our command was when we know a service member is really stressed, we pull them in and have, we have the chaplains talk to them, make sure they're okay. So I'm standing out there in formation. I go back to any, anybody Army here? Well, so Chief Warrant Officer, what do we do? We pick up donuts and we disappear. Okay? And so I went to go uh, disappear. They pulled me in. And one of the things that came out of that is all the stresses is they canceled me. Okay? They helped me. They wanted to make sure I was healthy is all the things I've seen in rescue and everything else, all the death I've seen, they came out of it and they said, dude, man, you learn to control that. But they said, you know what you're a wreck on is when you, we, every time we mention CPA or accounting, your heart rate doubled. Why? Is as a business, I know, I know that that's a killer. And I worry about it. So you know what? I called my CPA. I called my... Accountants, I said, I need a dashboard for my finances. I don't want to ever think about my finances again. I don't care what it costs me. I need you to build me an app that tells me, just like a, a cluster on my dashboard, what's the health of my, my finances? I go in every day. I spend five seconds. I look at it, and it's over. No more stress. Doesn't mean that I don't worry about it. No, it does. I don't worry about it. Because I know if we ever do, I've, I've got anybody here grow kind of poor. Usually when you grow up poor, you don't even want to be poor again, right? I don't want to go back to eating spam, Ugh. powdered milk. Ugh. I still don't drink milk as that. But I always know I have a threshold. The difference between me, there's an old saying, 
is that you look rich, I look poor, we're both liars. Is I know I've got reserves. I know I've got savings. I know I've got investments. I know, but I don't look at those. I always act like, God, this could break me. It's a safety net that I really don't need anymore, but I still constantly use. And it's called common sense and living below your means. Most entrepreneurs, they, what do they do? They bring in $100, what do they do? They go out and spend $150. You got to get over that. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to take and see a, re a relationship completely destroyed in ladies, gentlemen, if, if finances stress you, the best thing you could do is be honest with your spouse. The best thing you could do is go back to school and learn finance. The best thing you could do is outsource your bookkeeping. The best thing you could do is hire a really good CPA. And the spouses know what the trigger points are, and when he or she is stressed out, get him or her the hell out of that situation. Because it's destructive, and it could end your marriage. Do not tempt that. I see it all the time. I, I take and count, I, I, I train, mentor, and coach over 500 businesses in my career. And I can tell you the number one killer of marriages and all that is money. That will kill marriages and relationships and families faster than anything. Outsource it. It's an unneeded stress you don't need. Be real with yourself. If you're not, listen, if you're under five years in business, even 10, and you're not quite there, go get a side gig. Make detailing, make PDR, make, make playing for the Dodgers your, your, your secondary gig until you get in a position that it will pay for your bills. Don't give up on your dream. Just get something that will financially support your dream until you arrive at that point. Don't ever give up on your dream. There is no plan B. I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this thing work. This bitch is going to be mine. I'm going to own it. But I might have to detour a little bit to make that happen. I can't tell you how many detours I've taken. They've all been short. And they've all paid off. I've never lost a business because I had the mentality and I have a loving wife that we said, at all costs, we make it work. The all-cost part was I didn't work on Sundays because, gentlemen, I can't speak to you ladies. Gentlemen, if you're not giving her the attention, she will find somebody that will. I'm working for my family. Bullshit. You're working for your ego. I'm just going to say it like it is. Now, you got to work hard. I'm not telling you you can't. But if you take on a relationship, guess what? You took on a damn relationship. Get your head out of your ass. What's more important to you? Now, now, spouses, if he or she's got an opportunity and it's going to take, we've had this talk, Justin, is that if he or she's going to take away for a little bit, if you want a successful spouse, sometimes he or she's going to be away a little bit. Remember that talk that we had years ago? Is it goes both ways. You're going to have to give and you're going to have to take. But you can't, you can't overtake. And by abandoning your family with time, you're taking. You're not giving. You might think you're giving. When your kids grow, like mine have, all they wanted, okay, I do search and rescue for civilian and, 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 and the guard. And I teach search and rescue. I do a lot of search and rescue. My life, if you ask me, you guys all know me as a detailer, everything he said. But probably a bigger form of my life has been search and rescue, believe it or not. And I love it because it's my passion. It's my way to give back to my community.
The last thing I want to do with my kids, we lived in a beautiful part. We lived in the mountains our, our, my kids' entire life, mountain cities, mountain towns. Is the last thing, as I, they'd see me go into helicopters. They'd see me come back two or three days later. They'd see me, the last thing I want to do is go camping. You know what my oldest daughter told me just a couple years ago? She's now a helicopter pilot. Guess what she told me? She goes, you know, Dad, the only thing I would have liked to have done more when we were kids is go camping. And I was like, man, I didn't really want to go camping. You know, I wanted to like, like, I don't know, watch a TV show with you. You know, I didn't want to go camping. How selfish was that? So guess what I've done with this younger kid? We went camping. Guess what she tells me? I don't want to go camping anymore. <laughs> I, I like it easier because my son, we say, you want to do something? He goes, uh-huh. The girls get all sophisticated and confusing and like, well, dad. Let's sit down and analyze this. I'm like, I'm going to go back over and talk to my son because he's just going to say, yeah or no. As simple as that. So let's talk about some takeaways. First thing you're going to do is appreciation. I do appreciate my son. He's doing a great job. He's finally come around. It's taking him a little longer. I come from all brothers, by the way. And, and guys, I hate to say it, I just didn't realize how stupid boys are. And until I had daughters and then one son, I was like, oh boy, he's, he's taking a little longer to get there. But he's, he's a great kid now. Devin, if you're watching this, I love you. I really do. He knows it. I told him, my kid, three of the four uh, went into the military. Two are Marines. Where they came out of is, oh, God, they're crazy. Uh, I asked him just a, a, about a year ago. I said, so when you went to the Marine Corps, why'd you do it? He goes, my big sister went. How the hell can I go Army or Coast Guard when my big sister is a U.S. Marine? I had to be a Marine. And I said, did you want to be? And he goes, no. <laughs> that shit was way too hard. So Appreciation. Appreciation who came before you. You know, we're a multi-generational industry. Meaning we've got people that are 30. We've got people in our 20s. We've got people that are 50s, 60s, 70s. We're all standing on the shoulders of somebody. And you might not agree with the generation before, but they laid some cobblestones down that you're standing on and rolling on right now. Now, you old farts, this generation's not bad. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the ones, the, the one percenters just... We're no better. I'm talking to anybody that's my age or older. We are no better. The same amount, but these youngsters are coming out right now. Please and thank you. Good common values. And you know what? A lot of them have got some really good work ethics that they're not going to work their ass off. They're going to go enjoy some life. They don't want to do what we did, and I celebrate that with them. This whole working, overworking thing's bullshit. Now, you got to work hard. I'm not telling you you don't have to, but you better play hard too. And that's where I got a lot of this. So my triggers for being unbeatable. My wife. Isn't she cute? Our life together. The, so separate in a, we, we, we have no problem living apart. We do a lot of things together. But I want, she's a strong woman. I ain't going to screw with her. She's a lot better shot than I am. Our journey, both before each other, during each other, and apart from each other. We each have our own stories. But boy, we come back to home camp every time. And we told our kids, we don't go nowhere. And our kids know that no matter what, is that mom and dad are mom and dad, and we'll never be anything but that. We're 100% committed. And it's been hard for her. I told her before I married her, listen, I'm an entrepreneur soul. In our young days, we're going to have some really deep, like Grand Canyon level craters. But it's going to even out over time. And it did. But those were some rough roads to go down, right? but I pre-qualified it, so it's not my fault. 
<laughs> I also, and this is no lie, and Chris will verify this, because I have a saying, last year was such a tough year, that on January 1st, I said, Rennie, i got to have a trigger to get me back in the course. Get me back. And every time I have a negative thought and I see somebody cut me off when I'm down close to L.A., or the L.A. people come up to my mountain, is I say, glass half full. And that's the reminder to, to calm down. It's a good trigger point. In my business, I've had to do that too, is glass half full. The other thing I hear of this too is, man, these, these new guys, man, I don't understand these dumb questions they had. And I just said this to one of our seasoned good friends. Jason, you'll get a kick out of this. Is he's sitting there, he's telling me all the dumb things. This guy's 15 years younger than me. He's telling me all the dumb questions he's getting from all these newbies. So I let him rat and rave, and I go, yeah. I said, boy, I remember when you are new. I wanted to kill you too. <laughs> and he stopped for a second. He goes, well, I didn't have dumb questions. I said, dude, you had a million dumb questions. You're the chief of dumb questions. I wanted to throw a brick at you with all the dumb questions you had. He goes, really? You never said that to me. And I said, exactly. Shut up and help. Build up. Everybody's new at something. Who's, who's been in the industry for a year? Who's just got their year mark? Listen, you're new, right? No, you're not. There's somebody that's just starting out today. Help them out. Pay it forward and help them out. Every, every chapter is your goal is being new. God, I love, look at the fire in his eyes. He's young. He's full of it. Those eyes are going to be worn out in another 10 years. <laughs> you're going to be sleeping through this, dude. And you're going to have wrinkles. You're going to be wearing a hat because you get sunburned easy, even under lights. You know who's the, who's the blame with this hat? Jason Rose came up to me one time at CMA. He goes, why do you wear that hat? I said, exactly. He goes, no, why do you wear a hat? I said, exactly. He, he, he pushed it because it was a trademark. It kind of stuck. I actually can't get it off. My head's too fat. So <laughs> I could only beat myself. When it comes down to it, your only competition, we already established that, is yourself. You know the only person that can slow you down is you. Financial mistakes, bad attitudes, not working smartly, all those different things, not saving, not investing, not, not speaking bad words to yourself and about yourself. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're going to find out you've got no limits. The only thing I wish I would have done is as a younger man, I wish I would have taken in, in, in what I was taught in the early days from my mentors and some great mentors, some of them in this room, Jim Gogan, I keep pointing them out, changed my life. Is I wish I would have listened to them instead of me. Because they saw something in me that I didn't see and I didn't believe. I talked a good game. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really good at that. No, you're not. You suck. Okay? Wow, you know what you can turn this thing into? I know. Why? Isn't it exciting? Oh, shit. Scared to death. I'm not going there. It's crazy. You know how much money that's going to cost? You know what the risk is on that? What did I end up doing? I did it anyway. Why be scared? I am totally, this is the biggest thing, I'm unstoppable. Now, am I going to go out? I'm also realistic. Is I don't want to be a billionaire. I've seen, I've worked with them. They're some miserable people. Pretty happy too, right? But I looked at them, I pulled them off the mountain. And three wives in and kids, kids that hate them and all this different thing. I have no interest in that. Maybe somebody wants to be a billionaire. But money is not my motivator. Time is my motivator. Family is my motivator. People. 
is my motivator. Seeing others succeed, seeing all these, these company reps that we have now in the industry. Watching this young man, Justin, blow up. You know, watching Robin go with him into, into AutoGeek and work together. Two friends. How, how exciting is that? Watching, watching you just go through the roof. Those are all exciting things. That's what really turns me on. You've got to believe in it, though. 100%. When I went to Bob, Bob, honest question. I'm not going to blurt the number out, but when I told you that first number, five years, did you think it would happen? I knew it had to happen. You know why? I believed in Bob. I believed in Rim of the team. I watched what Bob was building. I watched him build up with his brother. Then all of a sudden, Keith came in. And then all of a sudden, this guy came in. And then all of a sudden, Sydney came in. And all of a sudden, we're at that number. I, and again, remember, how fucking cool is that? Not only did we hit it, I'm going to brag a little bit, we hit it at four years, not five. You know why? I didn't believe in me. I believed in the team. I couldn't do it. There's no way. How the hell am I going to do that? But I knew I could be a part of it. I knew I could be a, I knew I could be a bowling ball and go down there and wreck some shit, right? And that's exactly what we did. The other thing is, well, this is a tough one. You got to be able to pivot. That's the one thing. Anybody military or guard, and I always tell people. People say, "God, man, are you kind of worried about Ukraine going to war?" And it's no. It's really it's no. Because here's the deal: the army gets kind of smashed up. National Guard goes in, not my team. Okay, and they get kind of smashed up. The Boy Scouts go in, Girl Scouts go in. If they get smashed up, I'm going in. We're screwed. My team's a bunch of teams of, you know, we're kind of older. We're kind of at the end of our careers. But you have to learn to pivot. One of the biggest things is being somebody that's had this taken. I've, I've, I've been on the side of being on the mountain and having situations where you walk into a marijuana grow in Northern California. And they don't like that when you're carrying sidearms and you're in camouflage and you came in a helicopter. Because what do they think? They think you're coming in DEA to get their grow. No, I'm looking for a missing person, but all of a sudden you start taking direct fire. Oh boy, not fun. Time to pivot. You go from searching to, well, I was diving underneath a rock. I was like, no, I don't do this shit enough. You know? I didn't even go through basic training, man. I just ROTC. What the hell is this? I didn't know they shot real bullets. What the hell is this? This is the biggest thing I'm going to start Xing out here. Ask yourself this, and I'm going to give a tribute here in a minute to somebody. I don't see him in the room. Brian Crosby, you here yet? He's not, but I want people to share this with him. What's next? What's next in my life? Now, don't start asking that until your foundation is your foundation you're on right now is solid. I watched this young man master it. As you get on a doesn't mean if it's wobbly, that to me is solid. I'm going to the next one because that one, I'll keep this foot on until, until the cement dries. Okay? But you want to realize when the right time to go ahead and jump is. And he's done a masterful job of it. You know, Bob Phillips and Dave, masterful job. They had to be careful. Big risk. Going out there and starting a brand new brand in Double Black. And here they got this 50-year-old company that's, hey, man, this is cool, right? No, took a lot. I love this guy. In every life, we have some trouble. But when in worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Listen, don't my wife says it, don't borrow trouble. 
Don't ignore problems, but don't borrow trouble. And again, in every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't. Find a solution instantly. Don't go to bed on troubles. Something's keeping you awake at night. Get your ass up. Take care of it. Bury that shit so it doesn't keep you awake the next night. So, right now, I want to take and do this. Come on by and see us. Join us for our live events. After patio, we're going to be out there. Probably not tonight, but uh, tomorrow night and Saturday. We're going to hang out. Come over. If you see me, bring a chair over. Get as close to me as you can. I want to learn as much as I can about you. Every time I do one of these keynotes, I de dedicate it to somebody. Last time I was here, I just lost a good friend of mine who had been murdered. I want to share that big guy with you. That's Boomer. Boomer's a rescue. He just turned, uh, he'll turn 14 and a half next week. And uh, he's got six coyote uh, kills, confirmed. He's a Kita and Rottweiler mix. And right now he's the light of my life. I walk him uh, four to six times a day. And uh, why is this picture up there? Is I love animals. Boomer was abused really bad for two years. We've had him for, for, for 12 and a half years. He was beaten, he was tied up and chained up. And he killed three coyotes chained up. His last coyote kill was at 13 and a half years old, 11 months ago. And I couldn't stop him because he thought the coyote was coming after me and he had it dead in 30 seconds. It wasn't even a fight at 13 and a half. The thing that Boomer's done is he taught me how to age with grace while still thinking that you're killer enough to go freaking take on a coyote. And so with that, I want you to go out. You're unbeatable. You're unstoppable. You're breakable, but you're not broken. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rennie Doyle podcast, brought to you by Detailing Success and PNS Double Black. Listen to new episodes weekly, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues.